Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by James Dowse. I'm back, everybody. He's back, everybody, and Josh Brown. Welcome back, James Dowse. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. What a beautiful, beautiful time, James Dowse. How have you been? How's oh, life? Great. What have you I not have been some doing? some time off, boys. Oh, it's a good, it's a, it's oh, good, isn't it's it? it's lovely. Did nice you have a nice off. week off? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. What did you get up to, you cheeky scamp? You know what I did? I played and completed Toy Story 2. Nice. <laughs> Very On the nice. PlayStation 5, On no less. Yes, the PS5 version. Uh, Best version. Great game. Yes. Really good. How does it, really it hold good. up in 2022? Uh, well, you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> you camera you... is abysmal. Yes. Uh, I should have spent this time playing Sekiro, you know, Dark Souls 2, <sighs> but no, Toy Story 2. He's got priorities. Is it the best Toy Story game? Yo. Yes, but Toy Story 3 is very close. Yes. Toy Story 3 sandbox mode, incredible. 3 is good. There was a Mania, which was on the Kinect on the 360, where you had to, like, uh, fire pies at the screen. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> no, that was good. <laughs> no, no. A mania? Um, yeah. yeah. Speaking of a mania, uh, we thought we'd talk about uh, best video game adaptations in honor of Mr. Jeff Keighley himself announcing a best adaptations category for the upcoming game awards. Um, the idea being that it's anything that came from a video game initially in terms of franchise stuff, in terms of IP stuff, and whether that turned into a TV show, a movie, books, comics, whatever, whatever the best adaptations are. Um, so we thought we'd round up. We've got three picks each. I don't know what Mr. James Dowes or Mr. Josh Brown's picks are, nor do they know what mine are, and we will do the three best um, video game adaptations of all time, and we'll do one absolute stinker each, which I think we should do first. However, I think we should open the podcast talking a little bit about The Last of Us, because um, The Last of Us HBO got like a 15, 20 second clip or something, um, as part of an HBO uh, montage thing, advertising HBO Max, and what's coming out soon, including Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey as uh, Joey and Ellie. Joey and Ellie? Joel and Ellie. No, this was another Friends spin off. I would watch that though. <laughs> Cheeky little Joey. And um, I think, yeah, so what do you guys think of that? Just very, very quick impressions of the old uh, Last of Us. Uh, 15 seconds wasn't enough True. to gauge a feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dialogue was interesting because it was very one-to-one with the game, wasn't it? Where it's literally the same. Yeah. yeah. Which kind of in uh, my head is just like, is this just going to be a carbon copy? Is of- this just the cutscene? Yeah. yeah. Is, that, is that the film? I uh, don't. The TV I, show? Uh, Josh knows it. Well, uh, the world knows how I feel. The world partitioned by, if they listen to this podcast, <laughs> I don't need The Last of Us HBO show uh, when I've got the game. Josh, what do you think? I really need it. I need it with all my heart. <laughs> and that 15, 20 second teaser, it did a lot for me, but it also raised a lot of questions. I thought, you know, again, it's we're analyzing such limited footage, yeah, but yeah. I didn't expect Pedro Pascal to sound yep. exactly 
exactly like Joel. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know if his version of Joel was going to be very similar to the games. I didn't know if he would put his own spin on it, but that line delivery mm-hmm. combined with the line itself, like you said, you know, one-to-one from the game. I thought the brief shot of him running with Sarah at the start of the apocalypse looked incredible. Mm-hmm. The kind of like uh, uh, kinetic cinematography you'd expect from the filmmakers of uh, Chernobyl. I loved the brief image that we got of Nick Offerman as Bill. <laughs> yeah, I taking the mask off. Yeah. That is such a great piece of casting. And what makes it even better is that he wasn't the original choice for Bill. Right. I can't remember who the original actor was, but right. they had to drop out. Nick Offerman came in. And I'm like, that is perfect. <laughs> That's so good. Uh-huh. Uh, it looked amazing. However, again, if I have a nitpick from 15 seconds, is that it looked you too... You picked those nits, mate. It looked too clean. It, yep. it, I wanted Ooh. the characters to look a little bit more dirty. I wanted the sets to look a little bit more dirty. Mm-hmm. And again, again, a very minor nitpick in the grand scheme of things. But for an apocalypse, I needed a bit more griminess on these people. Mm-hmm. My friend who is a very big uh, Lester's fan, he said it looked very amateur in that it didn't... No, no, no. I don't mean that in a negative way. Oh, he didn't, sorry. He meant it in like it just looked perfect. Yes. It looked like it was... Like handheld calm and yeah, very thrown it, in. It yeah. just looked like, as you said there, it didn't look rough. It didn't yeah. look like the Last of Us feel to it. Mm, I think well, it's obviously interesting. that will be later in. But. Yeah, yeah. I always think it's interesting with um, any like big old you know streaming service where they have to charge for 4K subscriptions and stuff like that, yeah. how grimy you can make a production because you'll get mm. people who are buying giant 60-inch TVs to get the most out of these shows um, and then they don't want to watch something that has film grain applied to it. They don't want to watch something. Game of Thrones' final season where it's all black and you couldn't see anything. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, I feel like they always, I mean, look at something like Paramount Plus, like the Halo show yeah. or whatever, like that looks so ugly and too synthetic and too clean and Wheel of Time on Amazon look way too clean um, and I think that it's and the new Lord of the Rings for me looks the same looks way too clean so I think sometimes that's a pitfall um, that shows fall into um, I will say for The Last of Us that yeah Pedro Pascal sounds perfect which makes me wonder what Troy Baker's role is going to be because I know he's in the show yeah, um, right. he's a new character um, but I assume that he'll be he'll have to be someone completely different now I know he was never going to be Joel but it means that he won't do the same voice or whatever but yeah as far as like replicating the energy of Joel in that scene um, it's great and it's literally a scene from the game and with the exact same dialogue so it does seem promising it really does and I suppose what you guys were mentioning there about the colour grading and stuff yeah I don't want this to look like a like a Halo TV show no. yeah. you might touch on later on and I think for as you know bad as the later seasons of The Walking Dead got for instance mm. I think that show made a really genius move right at the start to shoot on 16mm film to give it this kind of grimy yeah. look you know it might not look great blown up on HD TVs but the world looks gritty these yeah. Characters look like they're sweaty and having a bad time. They look like they live there. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I kind of just, you know, want to hope that these actors look like they're having a bad time on The Last of Us. I hope <laughs> they weren't while shooting it, yep. but I want it to look a little bit uh, grimier. Really? I mean, even mm-hmm. Chernobyl, you know, that'll obviously get a lot of comparisons because they're the same set of filmmakers and mm-hmm. stuff. Like, that was a good-looking show, but the colour grading, the look of it, it felt oppressive and apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. And The Last of Us from the couple second clip that we got didn't quite have that and I hope it does in the final thing but obviously we're ways off there's a reason we only got like 15, 20 yeah, it's seconds very right now. I, it's not I, coming out until next year. I, I think that they need to show, I mean, I think that they're trying to walk a line between like, this is a blockbuster TV show. This is the last of us. Oh my God, it's in TV form. And then also it should kind of be a more subdued production and maybe have a more indie movie feel that will be closer to the last of us in terms of the scrappiness and everything. Um, speaking of scraps though, we should do a roundup of the worst adaptations and then get into the best ones after that. So in terms of the worst one, I'm just going to fire this out there. I think it might be Netflix's Resident Evil. Oh, it's, that's, that's a prime pick. 
I can't even argue against it. It was on my <laughs> short list because there are so many bad yes. adaptations. And I think, you know, if, you, if we're talking adaptations that completely get the source material wrong, mm-hmm. that's up there. If we're talking about um, completely incompetent filmmaking, <laughs> that's up there. If we're talking about terrible acting, it's up there. It hits all of the tick yes, boxes. That's, that's the thing. It's like it loses the soul of the IP it was borrowing from, and it's also a bad thing in itself. That's kind of my twin category for most of this. I had a, uh, a moment when I was scrolling Netflix last night, and I saw it, and I realized I'd only watched <laughs> six of the second uh, seven episodes. I and didn't you never leave stuff. I spent. I never leave anything, and uh, the fact that I invested so much time and didn't even watch the final episode, I think, for me personally, mm-hmm. uh, speaks. It uh, speaks volumes. My that's voices. Ma- it speaks many voices. My that's shout it. is very much Resident Evil Netflix. I think that thing is an absolute tire fire. Right. But James Dallas, can you one up me? Uh, no, I think I agree with you there. <laughs> but here's here's my dilemma. Do it. I adored this show, uh, and then I realized that it wasn't really as good as it could have been. That was the Cuphead show. Oh, okay. I loved that. I was so happy when it got a announcement, mm-hmm. but it missed out on the art style of the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, you know, the uh, rubber hose, is it called? The rubber hose animations. Yes. I don't think that's necessarily like, I. that's the thing. If you were, I was going into the Cuphead show wanting it to just be a TV show version of yep. what you what is the best parts of all the trailers and things like that. And then when they did it, like it kind of looks a bit like Rubber Hose, but it's more like old school. Yeah. Sorry, it's more like regular, just kids animation, yeah. like Warner Brothers stuff. Um, but if they yeah. did it the old style, it wouldn't have ever come out for like 20 years, There'd be some years. way to algorithmically that's hard. That's AI hard. it. Well, then don't, for me, then don't do the <laughs> Cuphead show. It. Like it has to have that style. That's it was what it good. Is. It was good. I mm. wasn't personally a fan of the voice acting in it. I just right. didn't think that, that well, they're voiceless in the game. So mm-hmm. it was hard to whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, they just didn't sit with me. I watched 10 episodes, I think. And, and then there's another. Way more than I did. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't get through more. Mm. Is that's it fair to say that's your perhaps most disappointing adaptation? Yes, I'd say that. Instead of bad, I'd say disappointing. Josh Brown, your worst pick. I know as well you have some sort of quote unquote banter pick in here, but I think it's a positive one. We'll get to those. We'll get to that one. What's your worst pick? Dude, there's so many worst picks. I need to shout out three. I won't spend time on all three, but Mortal Kombat Annihilation, very bad. All the Uwe Boll adaptations, oh, yeah. like Blood Rain, Alone in the Dark. I think he did The House of the Far Dead Cry. as well. Far yeah. Cry. They're all abysmal, but Postal. it almost doesn't even feel worth talking about them because they're not. They're barely movies, and who cares about <laughs> Uwe Boll films? So I want to talk. It's another Resident Evil property. It's Resident Evil, the final chapter, which is the final Ooh. Paul W.S. Anderson Resident Evil installment. I'm a big fan of that series, which I'll get into when we talk about our best. Mm-hmm. But I think that might be even worse than the Resident Evil Netflix show because as a like F you to mm-hmm. anyone who cared about those movies it just is a huge one it right. sticks the middle finger up at all continuity any kind of coherency with uh, the characters and their actions from previous films it completely dis- disregards a cliffhanger ending from the previous film and then kills some of the most iconic characters <laughs> in the series off screen it is terribly edited one of the most worst edited films I've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. I had to watch this film twice. I didn't have to, but I wanted to because it was that bad. I uh, I don't often hate things with burning fire, but I hate that film. And mm-hmm. we'll get it into any list uh, that James Douse has probably reviewed on the What Culture Horror yeah. uh, channel that I can because I just yes. I, I can't stop talking about it. I know it, the plot of that film because of you. <laughs> <laughs> it lives uh, rent free in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I feel like at least that I, I could be misremembering because I've seen all the Resident Evil movies, the Paul W S Anderson Resident Evil movies. I feel like at least that final one had some characters in with like with game appropriate costume it mostly killed them all off is right. the thing like it 
dude, it brought back Claire Redfield. Yes. Uh, it, that was about it. <laughs> it's like, the final chapter of the one with Wesker where he's darting about the place, throwing people in big tubes. He's doing that a lot. He that is that lot. Afterlife and ah. the one afterwards, uh, the, the, the fifth one, I think it's called Retribution or something. That's right. the one that has Leon S. Kennedy and Barry Burton and all of that, all of those characters big in it. And I think Jill Valentine comes back as well. But the right. last one kills all of those off off screen. <laughs> and then you have uh, Millie Jovovich's character. You have Wesker as the final villain. You have the Red Queen who comes back as like the big bad. It's very bad. It's At least there's bad. more Resident Evil in there no. than Resident Evil Netflix. I don't, I'm just saying. I genuinely don't even think there is. Like, yeah, you got <laughs> Raccoon City and it's destroyed. Yeah, you got a few characters, mm. but honestly, the Wesker scenes uh, that harken back to Raccoon City in the Netflix show are more authentic and a better <laughs> adaptation of the source material than anything in the final chapter for me. That is fair. Either way, we can agree that Resident Evil has been privy to two out of three worst adaptations from our <laughs> I, uh, I realise I've got one more. Go uh, on. The other day, I completely forgot this is a video game adaptation. I uh, My girlfriend made me watch a film. It was uh, Battleships. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Why are you watching Battleship? Rihanna's in it, man. I almost passed out there. I laughed so much that my vision went a bit sideways. No, my Why girlfriend are you watching sold me on a film because Rihanna's in it, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. She was just like, yeah, Rihanna's in it, so we watched it. God, it's Dude. bad. It's so bad. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, that's more like based on a board game, but it, near enough. I mean, yeah, near so enough. what you're saying is you were on a high, you thought you were on a winning streak, <laughs> and then afterwards you sort of turned yeah, yeah, and yeah. said, you sunk my battleship. Yeah. <laughs> because that was your enthusiasm. <laughs> Someone does say that film. in the movie, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, actually, I, 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 I turned positive for the ba- uh, battleship, new IP or whatever the hell you want to call it, the, the revival of it back in 2013 or whatever sure. it was. Whenever that came out, that game was kind of cool. That game was like a first-person game thing where you would like call in right. airstrikes as if you were playing battleships, and I, th- I thought that was cool. I didn't play that game. I like the idea. Oh, there was yeah. a demo for it. Well, that's I what I did with my week off. I watched uh, Battleships <laughs> twice. That I <laughs> bit of Fortnite, bit of Battleships. What else do you need? Um, speaking of um, nothing at all, we'll go into the best adaptations now. I have three serious picks. This sounds cool. sarcastic. It's not <laughs> my actual three picks for the best adaptations, video game adaptations in um, human history. I only have movies for these. Oh, um, I don't have. Well, you can kind of. We'll see. Um, I'm going to start though with number three, Silent Hill. The yes. first okay. Silent Hill. Um, I don't remember the name of the dude. Uh, Christopher Gans, I think, is the name of the director. Um, and the reason I say that it's the best, or one of the best adaptations, is that it nails the cinematography of Silent Hill. Everything just looks like the game. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that they shoot certain scenes as if the camera was just sort of starting like a game camera, like starting like the isometric stuff, and then zooming in and finding, uh, I think it's Ronamita, the main character, uh, the actress, and um, finding her, and then sort of going on that d- discovery, what is Silent Hill, what's really going on. It's more just the cinematography, but I feel like they nailed the feel of being in Silent Hill as it was in Silent Hill 1 and 2. Talking about uh, movies that get the aesthetic right and have a little bit of grime to them, yes. uh, that is one that absolutely nails it, like you just said. You know, if you look at that compared to its sequel, mm-hmm. which arguably tried to be more authentic I never saw that to enough. the source material, it's very, very bad. <laughs> uh, but that kind of like lacked that griminess. It lacked mm-hmm. the atmosphere that you absolutely need for a Silent Hill movie. And it's my number two, Scott Tilford. Oh, beautiful. I also, well. Rada Mitchell is the person I was trying to think of. Not Rona Mitra, carry on. There we go. Uh, 100%. Give me uh, your number three. My number three. Can I do an honorable mention first? Yes. yes my honorable honorable mention is the Resident Evil Extinction movie tie-in book. Uh, <laughs> these things. I must have been the only child in my uh, town who requested the Resident Evil novelizations in 
into my uh, library because I would read all of those. And yeah, this is. I'm only- in a stunned silence. That's incredible. 100%. Like, okay, so Resident <laughs> Evil Extinction yeah. is a movie, and I read yeah. the novelization of that, and it was one of the books that got me into books. They were really well written, <laughs> man. That is the book. Good expectations, no. Nah, that sucks, man. Uh, Hobbit, no. The Bible. Have you heard of Resident <laughs> Evil have Extinction? Read words? Well, I have now. <laughs> Resident <laughs> Evil Extinction. <laughs> and I've, I've, granted, not read this book in a long time, but I thought that was oh. great. And I just kind of wanted to put a call out to anyone who may have read those novelizations because I've been living with this knowledge and this fandom for years now. And it's uh, knowledge. if you want to know why I love Resident Evil so much and I'm a diehard fan, it's partly because of those books. I'm not going to lie. Because you discovered reading. I did. Resident I'll Evil. T- I'll tell you what, the novelization of the first uh, movie was pretty good as well. Yeah. I used to yeah. read novelizations. I remember reading the Men in Black one back yeah. in 1996 or whatever it was. I used to like that a lot. Indiana Jones 4, I read the book for the film. <laughs> <laughs> before the film? That's so good. What was that? <laughs> that was a very nice noise. I, uh, yeah, I remember getting so into Force Awakens when that was coming out that I read uh-huh. that stuff as well. Extra little plot details as to Kylo Ren's mindset yeah. in that book that aren't in the movie. Yeah. That's that's the beauty of that it, is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what was great about these Resident Evil uh, adaptations because yeah. you got like a little bit more black backstory, you got more flashbacks, and all of that was really cool because mm-hmm. there are some cool characters in those films. Yes, Mr. James Dallas, one of your three. Well, that was your honourable, honourable mention. mention oh, it was three, indeed. Josh. I do apologise. Josh Brown, your actual number three. This going immediately after the honourable mention is going to look like I'm making a mockery of the, the entire, entire concept of, believe of this uh, podcast, but I need to preface this. Jeff Keighley, the most serious man in gaming history. I can't believe you're doing this. <laughs> he is, he is. The Dorito Pope. I'm going to preface this fact that this isn't a bit. This is my real opinion. Okay. My third most favorite video game adaptation Can is you? Super Mario Brothers the movie starring and I, Bob, I, Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. I knew you would do this. I, I did. I did yeah. I'm <laughs> going to do this because it's a genuinely great film. It has nothing oh. to do with Super Mario Brothers no. the property. No, it no. is probably an insult to anyone who grew up with those games. Yeah. But do you know the when they asked for the word is, adaptation, you went, nah. I went, nah. nah I, don't I went, that. nah. You know, like, it's, it's kind of like based on a true story. It's like well. based on an ab- in, on a thing that you might know. We've used some names. A fever dream. Um, I didn't grow up, as we have established, with Super Mario Brothers or really even Nintendo. So I had no love for that property. So when I eventually got around to watching <laughs> this film, I didn't care that they completely changed everything and made... <laughs> everything. That's just what a Koopa looks like. <laughs> That's just what a Koopa looks like. And completely made the tone wildly inappropriate and had yeah. a lot of these 90s executive on cocaine decisions in there from an aesthetic standpoint. However, as a standalone movie, as an enjoyable piece of cinematic imagination brought yeah. to the screen. Yes. It owns, man. It's really yeah. cool. I don't, I can't, James Dodd. Bob Hoskins, do you think, is the Mario? Is that Mario to you, Bob Hoskins? He is. Yeah. Uh, you know what? He. <laughs> that's the definitive portrayal of yeah. that character. Yeah. Chris, Pratt Chris Pratt can, can try, yeah. but he's going to like get slapped by the ghost of Bob, Bob Hoskins yeah. because he was so good in that role. I yeah. don't know if that's true, but human history will look back <laughs> on the fact that only two Marios will ever exist, Chris Pratt and Bob Hoskins. Yeah, yeah I, no I guess technically Charles Martin, eh, but not in live action. So it's, I do I love know. the idea as well of in a hundred million years time when yeah. we have all died three times over and the aliens have descended, they <laughs> find a little relic 
and it's Super Mario Brothers the movie on yeah. DVD, and that's all they understand of human history. I would be fine with that. <laughs> I think that would be really fun, and and, and quite rightfully so. Go on. What our legacy should be as a species. I love that that movie was so bad it made Nintendo not want to work with the West at all in a live action <laughs> capacity for about three decades, and then they're finally getting back around to it now. I was told of a of a story about this film the other night, and admittedly, me and my friends had had a few drinks at this point, but we were talking about Super Mario the Br- Mario Brothers the movie because I always talk about it. And apparently, when Bob Hoskins realized that he was playing a video game character, he was such in such despair that he couldn't believe that he'd just gone from playing King Lear to <laughs> Mr. Mario himself, the well, didn't he say jumpy that, up and down plumber. He said that he only did it because his son wanted him to do it or something. Yeah. yeah. Is this not like Bill Murray and Garfield? Like, Maybe. Just got it. <laughs> it is, but Bob Hoskins is more of a legend, man, which is why. Okay, you know. yeah, yeah. I can't, in the words of Tom, um, what's that dude called that was in Men in Black? Tom, me, Joe, Lee Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot sanction this buffoonery, but I appreciate you bringing this to the table. Mr. James Dallas, one of oh, your three hell. best adaptations. Uh, I'll quickly do an honorable mention. Uh, Tomb Raider. Oh, uh, oh the original one. Yeah, yeah, yeah very, yeah. very good. That Not was one of those ones where every single boy I knew had a poster of Angelina Jolie as uh-huh. Tom whatever uh, Tom, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. <laughs> did you not have that poster and then, um, but my actual number three Tom Croft and this is very niche neither of you two will ever hear it but Professor Layton had a movie <laughs> <laughs> right I love you find a way to bring Professor Layton uh, like favourite cakes nah, Professor Layton right. had a cake <laughs> Professor Layton and the Eternal Diva was its name. No way. And uh, I was however old I was when it came out. Uh, But it was very much one of these, like you said there, it was uh, Japan exclusively. And enough people in the West was like, bring it here. So we did it. And I was probably the only person in England who bought it. (laughs) And I remember forcing my grandma to watch it with me because she also liked Professor Layton. Because that was the target audience, kids and grandmothers. And um, yeah, it was very weird. You just solved puzzles whilst watching the film. Explain this to me. Yes, yeah. Explain so, this to me, please. No, no. So I think one of the first puzzles is like Leighton stuck in a church, for example, <laughs> and then <laughs> he always. When's that man not stuck in a church? <laughs> He's at it again. He's got his matchsticks. Put them in order. Get yeah. him out the church. And then, um, yeah. So like, you'd look at the camera would like pan to the sky, and you'd be like, hmm, "How do I get out of here?" And you watch along. You're like, "You could do that." <laughs> Are you pausing the movie no, to like no, tell No, you're him? like talking to yourself being okay. like, you could quite easily do that, right. Professor Layton. Yeah. And then like, he's like a Dora the Explorer thing where he's like, yes. And then he does it. How old were you at this point? 12. Okay. <laughs> so it wasn't like last oh, year. Was no, it? no, no, no. No, no, no. So it was just Dora the Explorer the movie kind mm. of thing, but with an English gentleman. That's I, a really nice idea. I yeah. dig that because I was a huge fan of Blue's Clues when I was yeah, young. Yeah, oh, yeah, and it sounds very similar to that yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of its vibe. I quite like that idea of interactivity, especially mm. in a kid's movie. When Like, how can you adapt game mechanics in a movie like that yeah. for children? They'll just want to play the game. True. But here, you get a yeah. version of it where yeah. you can play along with Mr. Layton. I have no <laughs> idea <laughs> who this guy Herschel. is, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. Herschel, Josh. I've, 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 ne- I've, ne- <laughs> I've never Herschel played Layton. this series. I have no idea what the dude looks like. I don't even Do know what you're not? talking about, to be fair. Have really? you ever what? You've never seen him playing Professor Layton? I might have seen him before. Who knows? Herschel I don't think Layton. I have. He's this man who wears a top hat and he's got an assistant called Luke and they go on adventures and they get picker rats and solve puzzles. Now, here's the thing, right? Ever since we started talking about Professor Layton in this podcast and yeah. James Dowes repeatedly yeah. brought this series up, yeah. I honestly have never dared to Google it outside of these walls <laughs> because 
because I don't want to spoil the illusion of whether it's a bit between you two against me <laughs> or whether exist. it actually exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Describe your version of Professor Layton. What does that man look like? He looks. He's like. He's got a top hat. Yep. He's, yeah. he's clean shaven. He's yeah. about twenty five. He's got a suit with tails. That yeah. pretty much is that Professor is Layton. Him, yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. I yeah, think you might come go. across this character in your travels. I may have. People wanted him. him in Smash. People wanted oh, him in Smash. Maybe that's where yeah. I throw a to people. Yeah, uh, yeah that'd be good. Um, <laughs> He's not the... Ob- Who's, who's the objection guy? That's in, Phoenix Wright. Phoenix Wright from Ace Attorney. They had a spin-off together where it was Leighton versus Phoenix Wright is. or Ace Attorney or whatever it's called. I might be it. Yeah. Oh, you need, there's so much, so much a world of possibilities, Josh Brown. Uh, to my actual point, though, the film, great film, the cutscenes <laughs> in the games were the best point. Like, that was incredible cutscenes mm. um, on the Nintendo DS and then they made a feature-length film, mm-hmm. which was very good. That was very, very good. That's a legitimate actual pick. Yeah, Not thanks. like Mario Brothers, Josh Brown. I don't know yeah. how you... You compare these two picks and you don't see that they're the exact same. On the that day of my offensive. daughter's wedding. Scott um, uh, <laughs> My second pick, again, serious pick, Pokemon Movie 1998. Yeah, okay. literally, that was almost my number one, but it's not. But the original Pokemon movie, I was going to have Detective Pikachu, and I thought if we're going down the route of, of all time and we're talking about Pokemon adaptations, it's got to be the original movie. Here's a question. How old was you when that came out? Oh, um, I was nine. So, so did you cry a lot? When- I didn't know, because I, I saw it with my mum, because all my right. friends at that time was like, oh, we've grown out of it. No, we don't want Pokemon. And I was like, it's yeah. really cool, guys. Yeah. And then my mum was like, I'll go and see it, because I think Pikachu's cute. And I was like, thanks, mum. <laughs> and then we went and saw uh, Pokemon. And then, um, yeah, so I just sort of watched it. And then that bit, when he sort of dies at the end, I never believed for a second that Ash was dead. So One dead, he turned to stone. Well, he turned to stone. But I was just like, there's no way he's dead. And then when Pikachu cried on him right. and brought him back, I was like, ugh. 
It's not, you've not thought that through. That's not, <laughs> that's not how that would work at all, Pikachu. Hang on. on. Is this the origin story of the Scott Tailford persona being annoyed <laughs> by that plot development? I then, wasn't annoyed. I was uh, glad he was alive again. I was glad he was alive, but I just I just thought they would have done something else. Like some, uh, some Pokemon creature could do something that could yeah, destone Mewtwo him. obliterated Ash. Mewtwo was terrifying in that he film. Was scary. It was so cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that first movie, I think it's because it was such a cultural event. I still remember it very vividly. I remember yeah. going to see it with everybody and seeing Pokemon on the big screen for the first time. Um, that initial rollout of Pokemon was just incredible. Like everyone had the games and everything. Mm-hmm. I was always a red kid. Other people right. had the blue one because they're weird. Red was the best one. But still, um, I'm putting the Pokemon movie up as one of the best adaptations yeah. of all time. You know However, what? sorry, just to oh, cut you off violently, at the beginning when I said I could swap a movie for a TV show, you could have the Pokemon TV show if you so please. Uh, which run? Oh, the original one. All the way through, you got all the Butterfree stuff, all the way through to when Ash finally gets Charizard under, under his control. Season three, four. Okay, so is that when they're in Johto? Oh, I don't remember. Right, no, okay. yeah, whatever the original Kanto run is. Right, okay. Like all that stuff oh, in, okay. in the 90s. See, I watched it... Before Gen 2, because that's, that's worth See, I watched Gen 1 through Gen 3. Oh, you stuck with it way longer than I yeah, did. I was a Gen 1 I grew kid. out of it after 3. Mm, I was always a Gen 1 kid. Here? I do. Right, uh, okay. Funnily enough, I never played the Pokemon games when I was young. I had no patience for them. I hated them. <laughs> uh, but I love Pokemon. Too busy in the library, isn't it? I was too busy in the library yeah. reading Resident Evil and requesting Resident <laughs> Evil. Distinction. However, uh, I was a huge Pokemon fan because yeah. I loved the TV show. I loved Pokemon. The movie, admittedly, haven't watched that film in like 20 years, yeah. but uh, used to watch it every night in VHS. Mm. And I, I, I didn't cry, but I got very emotional. And like you said, you know, Mewtwo in that film, like when he first is born, essentially, and he's talking about the purpose of life, maybe informed an existential crisis I would have myself yeah. 20 years later. That's your origin story. Maybe you didn't. That is my origin story. They remade it. They did, but they made Pikachu talk. Yeah. And I was like, what are we doing, boys? It was boys? all in like the chibi style. What are we doing? Yeah, I don't mind the chibi style necessarily, shout out to Tekken Bloodline, but I do think that making Pikachu talk is weird. Because mm-hmm. he's never talked before, he's going to talk again. So Detective Pikachu, what are we doing? I think you're probably right. Curious. I have no opinions on Pikachu talking. I didn't even realize until right now that he didn't talk. He but says it makes his name. Sense. Pika, Pikachu. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't yeah. say like, hey, how, how you doing? Have you read that book yet? No, you just, no. He's got one thing and one thing only. It's like, remember when Tom and Jerry spoke in the 90s in that yeah. film? That was a good film. I, I saw that, that at the Warner Brothers Cinema, which yeah. Warner Brothers don't have cinemas anymore. Yeah, because it had songs and stuff and it was so good. <gasps> yeah, man. what a time. You had such a good childhood. Seeing Pokemon the movie, well. seeing yeah. Tom and Jerry in the cinema. I'd <laughs> love to have seen all of those movies in the cinema. But it was a nice time. I did not. Josh Brown, give me your... Well, your number two is Silent Hill. Anything yes. you want to add to that? We breezed past it. I thought maybe we'd revisit it, but what you said before is also still standing. Yeah, 100%. I can't remember if I talked about the actual narrative and how they adapted it. You did not. I don't think I did. But uh, I know, obviously, you know, way back when we only got a few gaming adaptations every few years, I know there was a lot of uh, backlash to the fact that they changed a lot of elements from the game and that it wasn't a one-to-one adaptation. You swapped some of the characters around and whatnot. But mm. ultimately, I do think that makes for a more engaging movie storyline and ultimately um, as long as you get the ethos of what Silent Hill is and the kind of you know oppressive nature of that with a macabre twist at the end Mm. uh, I think it's completely fine to change things and as a narrative I do think for the most part it's pretty good you know it's it's, it's great visuals and a pretty good story as far as video game adaptations go that's sometimes all you can ask for you know that's the best you can hope for yeah I remember thinking it was like it was the first of video game movies to get it right like obviously Pokemon does predate it but that's that whole curse of a video game movies nothing's ever good enough and I know that Silent Hill I think was 2003 um, and I remember watching that and just thinking that they got it right it didn't feel badly 
made. It felt like it was it was solid. It respected the source material. And like you said, it brought like its own elements to the story and everything, which I like the way that it goes. Like I get that it's more of like a one-off thing. It doesn't really relate to the wider lore. Um, but I quite like that stuff. Jim Stouse, your second best adaptation. See, originally I was going to say wow. a wrong answer. A wrong it's answer. Not right, it's not right in any way. I was okay. going to say Wreck-It Ralph, but that's got nothing to do with anything, has it? Because <laughs> that's that wasn't a game first, was it? It was not, my friend. But there's game mention. characters in it. There are video game characters in it. Yeah. So, if you want to make the case that it has the best representation of uh, Ren and and Ren, Ren, Ryu and Ren Ken's and chemistry. So we've got Tom Raider. We've got Ren <laughs> Thomas Raidsman. Yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, so I'm not going to say that. I'm going to instead say uh, Detective Pikachu, going on what you just said. I really enjoyed that film. I love that film. Um, the use of, uh, no, sorry, the visuals of the Pokemon were really good. Like yeah, seeing man. them in a 3D, HD, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mewtwo once again was actually scary at the end of that. Um, they just know what they're doing with Pokemon, I think, and I'd love to see a sequel of that. I love how much Blade Runner is in Detective Pikachu, yes. which I didn't yeah, see yeah, coming yeah. at all. I love how like dank and neon and drippy yeah. the city is, mm-hmm. and like I love all those wide shots where you can just pause it and be like, there's like 40 different species just yeah. in that frame somewhere. Um, it's the best representation of the version of the Pokemon world that we imagined when we were kids. Yeah. What if the real world had Pokemon everywhere when we were like six or seven or whatever, or nine in my case. I um, thought that I Ryan Reynolds might have been like a bit too being like, oh, he's just going to be dead. Deadpool, mm. Ryan Reynolds in it, but I thought he was actually quite good in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. They, I, mean, they, I think, like, Justice Smith, I didn't see or hadn't seen him in anything else until then, but that scene where um, he thinks he's disappointed everyone and, yeah. and Pikachu's trying to, like, what a sentence, Pikachu's trying to, like, restore, make him happy mm. again. I think that's an incredibly well done scene. Like, Justice Smith yeah, yeah. acts his ass off and it's mm. incredibly well done. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Detective Pikachu would have been my, or what was my initial go to, what my brain initially said was number one. Yep. And then I knocked it, I knocked it away because yeah. there were other things. It's a great movie and it's a movie that I didn't think I would enjoy because mm, yeah. at that point you know I, I, I'd kind of not grown out of Pokemon I just hadn't really thought about Pokemon in terms of my life for a long time but obviously <laughs> you've got such good reviews people were talking about it in the office I sorted out I had the same reservations that James Douse had about Ryan Reynolds because you know even now he's just playing versions of Deadpool yeah and uh, no matter the movie he's in but yeah I thought that was a, a, a pleasant surprise and mm-hmm. if you were a diehard Pokemon fan I imagine you just got like you said Scott so much more out of that film from uh, it being a realisation of what you wanted a Pokemon movie to be a live action Pokemon movie to be when you were younger and just kind of like a celebration I just wanted to see Pokemon in the real world when I was a kid I used to get legitimately bummed out gutted annoyed and sad that Pokemon weren't real I was so annoyed they weren't real why couldn't they just be real? Why can't yeah. Why can't I go home and there'd be like a little chancy walking around in the house going like, here's your tea, or whatever he says. What a life that would be. I just want it. What a life. With a giant egg sticking out of an apron. That's all I want. Torture, man, for those people. <laughs> serving Scott tea on. Any, <laughs> they don't care. That's what they know. Any, And they can't talk about it because it's fine. Any humanoid Pokemon is also an absolute freak to society, though. Anything that walks and talks. Well, I'm a chum, I'm a champ. They're a little bit better, but yeah, Mr. Mime, though, or yeah, yeah, they would totally qualify, or just... Hitmonlee beating you up every night. Oh, Hitmonlee's really cool, though. He is pretty he cool, can, yeah. He can beat me up, that's it's fine. It's like, you know, in, in the Muppets, obviously you have most of the Muppets, like Kermit the Frog and yeah. whatnot, but then you also have the tall Muppets yeah. that are, like, life-sized. Mm-hmm. Serial killer. And it's like, ah, get these freaks out of here, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I imagine yeah, yeah. that's the same for these Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. so that one would smother you. Yeah. In, in, with love, but yeah. you would die. Uh, my number one pick, the absolute best adaptation in video game history, serious pick, not 
not sarcastic is Castlevania on Netflix, which you predicted I would say, but you could not be more correct. Um, Castlevania is absolutely immaculate. I just just watched that show. It's so good. Um, I just, I mean, the thing is, like, they in terms of the overall like uh, structure of it, season one is like four 20 minute episodes, and then season two blows everything way out and becomes Game of Thrones. And it's like here's all these other uh, families, all these different other power struggles that are going on because of the vacuum that's kind of created and um, by what happens at the end of season one, and then season three, uh, the creator Warren Ellis was like literally I'm going to spend a season setting up even more stuff um, because they'd already secured season four and then season four is like the most beautiful bringing together of all those elements to do one of the most satisfying bits of TV you can ever see. So I recommend Castlevania in its entirety, but if you don't have time, just go watch season one. They didn't know they were going to do all the rest of it initially, and if you just have 20 minutes spare, which I know you do, go watch <laughs> Castlevania season one. Even if you just watch the pilot, it's immaculate. So is that show over now? Is yes. season four the end? So that's mm-hmm. like a complete they're, do, they're doing a spin-off now, but the, the main show is done. That's yeah. cool. I like yeah, that. Man. It wasn't, you know, extended beyond its means. It James House. perfect. Are you ever going to watch the show? No. <laughs> no. no, I've got no connection. I might after your. It's made for the people who I've don't. Never had any connection to the Castlevania series. There's more than fine. The way that they write it and the fact that they they bring on they focus on one character, Trevor Belmont. They um you know yeah. flesh him out and you, like his whole journey is very much made to be an entry point. Like yeah. the, the whole point of the franchise was to sort of go, hey, by the way, this whole lore exists. Let's go do stuff. Um, Warren Ellis as well had never played the games either. He just wrote a whole bunch of stories and then mapped it onto um the characters the world and, and then kind of made it fit kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Castlevania is absolutely stellar. That franchise, or that series never gets enough talk. My knowledge of him mostly is via Smash Brothers because he was in Smash Brothers, was he not? I think it was Warren Ellis. No, no, he was, yeah. Uh, you mean Alucard. Um, uh, Belmont. Mr. Oh, Belmont. Trevor Belmont, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in Smash Brothers. That's the only... I think that's Simon Belmont, but yes. Is that same not the family, same man? Uh, no, there's uh, oh god, there's a whole bunch oh, of different no, protagonists. No, you, you are right. It's it's the Belmont family hunt right. the Dracula, and then Simon Belmont's in Smash. Okay. Trevor Belmont, I don't believe, is in Smash. Trevor Belmont's the dude in Castlevania who was in Castlevania Three. He's oh, okay. like the father of Simon Belmont. It right. doesn't matter at all. But you should all watch Castlevania. Josh, what's your number one? <laughs> My number one is um, it's not as high quality as the Castlevania TV show. What is? However, I do think it's genuinely good. And what? it's Resident Evil, the original Paul W.S. Anderson movie. Ooh. And I need to clarify that I have, yes, seen other things that aren't Resident, <laughs> Resident Evil. Evil. There's just so many of them that, you know, they've got to be talked about. They, they are the best and worst of the video game adaptation subgenre, in my opinion. And this first movie, man, is really, really good. I watched it when I was younger. I continue to watch it, like, every year. I think <laughs> in terms of the zombie movie canon, even if this wasn't called Resident Evil, mm. it would still be a film worth watching because it's a genuinely good zombie movie and maybe, like, one one of the last of its kind. Like, the way that they portray the zombies in this flick mm. is, like, head and shoulders above the way that the zombies are portrayed in the other Resident Evil movies. I just think they get something in Inherently right about them. I love the setting of the Umbrella Underground Lab. The cinematography is really cool. It's got Mila Jovovic who runs up the side of a wall and kicks a zombie dog in the face. The action is great. The characters are cool. The actors are cool. It's a cool movie. Very early 2000s, but in the best possible way. It actually reminds me, right, of the first Blade film in terms of its aesthetic yeah. and its tone. And the gore. Yeah, and the gore. They're kind of cut from the same cloth, and I like that style. I like Blade 1 over Blade 2, for instance, mm. because of that style, and it's why I like Resident Evil 1 over Resident Evil 2 which uh, Apocalypse which I still think is pretty good yeah. and Extinction which I think is pretty good but 1 has this kind of uniqueness to its style that 
I just think it's great. I remember, like, because one was, like, the first time they'd done a live-action Resident Evil, especially with that kind of budget. And it has, I mean, that laser corridor was, like, yeah. went down in, like, horror film history or whatever. Yeah. And um, I love the whole scene on the train towards the end with the liquor. Like, it does have iconic moments to it, even though that overall franchise is kind of panned. Um, but, yeah, that first one is a, is a hell of a pick. I think that does stand the test of time. I think it does, pretty too. Pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Jim Styles, the best video game adaptation right. of all time. Collectively. Just you're you're telling the world. To the world. Yes. Uh, Cover your ears, Scott. It's Sonic the Hedgehog 2. <laughs> I not not mad about it. Not mad about it at all. I loved Sonic 2 so much that I binged all Sonics yeah. for about two months. Here's the thing with that film. Uh, I realised during the cinema, I had a smile on my face the entire time. <laughs> and I've not had that for any... Well, I guess Detective Pikachu, I was happy with that one. Yeah. But no other video game name? adaptation I have thoroughly enjoyed right. as much as Sonic 2. You know what? I think like that's all you want sometimes. Yeah. You want to be sat in the cinema and you want to have a smile on your face, whether you're watching a R-rated horror movie, whether you're watching a universal-rated uh, kids' film. You just yeah. want to kind of feel the same feeling that you have when you play the games. And I imagine, James Dowse, that's what you got while <laughs> yeah. watching the sequel. What My question, as we've talked about these movies yes. a couple of times, what makes the second one better than the first one? Why is the first one not on your list and why is the second one coming uh, the in The first hard, one, one had a very big um, involvement in, it felt very early 2000s with like, do you know when old films used to have like a round table of executives talking and there was like the military and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Can, do you know what I mean? I love that? that trope, yeah. I hate that With a giant cigar. Yeah, yeah that kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Looney Tunes back in action at it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that yeah, film is like my go-to. Yeah. Um, but I hate that gimmick and it was in the first one a lot. Right. Because it was always just them discussing. But Sonic 2 felt like it was made for the love of the fans. Yeah, I think for me, like I, I had this weird like reawakening thing with Sonic where I watched in Sonic 2 when he gets to go fast. I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. He's doing fast things. I like that a lot. And then I sort of remembered how much I used to love it when I was younger and I went back through the entire franchise of Sonic. And so I think for me, Sonic 2 is a is a great pick. I think that it's very, very solid. The only thing with both the, the um, original one and the second one of the new uh, potential trilogy is the human stuff. If you yeah, ditched yeah, yeah. all of it, it wouldn't matter at all. I hate the human stuff. Um, and the weird pivot they do between Sonic 1 and two, where um, is it? It's not James Franco. What do you call the dude? James Marsden. James Marsden. Um, he's like his bro in Sonic One. They're like they're like road tripping together and they're friends. Yeah. And then in two, he's like, "You're like a son to me." And I'm like, he's, he's like, "Thanks, Dad." I'm like, "What?" Yeah. Like if, if you just told me, "Thanks, Dad," I'd be like, <laughs> "What?" Like that doesn't work at all. Oh, like, I'm gonna start doing that. And you've done it before, but I think like that whole thing of I way preferred them as bros and yeah. as um, like we like you know bonding that way as opposed to doing this weird. Um, he's taking him in as a surrogate son thing. I thought that was a really strange beat yeah. to go with. Um, so yeah, I would just gut the human stuff out, especially the wedding scenes, which oh, like, yeah, I bet I you love them, didn't you? I did. That's I the X Factor that. in you loving, loving yeah, that stuff. That was the cheap laughs, wasn't it? And that's, <laughs> that had me laughing. Yeah. I, uh, I was just, I just kept screaming internally, I don't need this. It's a Sonic movie. Like, what? Yeah. A, why is this idiot? Yeah. But Tails was great in it as well. T oh, Knuckles is so good. And Knuckles I've got a little good. cheeky Knuckles figure upstairs. Until he turned into an idiot at the end. But that's... Yeah, he becomes Drax at the end. Yeah. He just literally, like, yeah. Just a post-credit sequence, we see Shadow. Yeah, we do that see Shadow. That means that with the trilogy. That's when Josh Brown comes in. That means I'm going to have to watch oh, both. Yeah, like 2006 oh, yeah, all over yeah. again, mate. Big, well, big third, Shadow The third fan. one's coming, isn't it? Next year or the year after? Uh, yeah. The next year or the yeah, year yeah, after. Yeah. I don't think we know if... Well, since you're Robotnik, we don't know if Jim Carrey's in it, though. Like, he oh, said he doesn't, tired, want, doesn't, he? He doesn't yeah. want to play him anymore, but then it's like, well, you clearly are a big part of this. Yeah, but he's kind of buried at the end of two, so I don't know whether he's still alive. 
But yeah. there's more to be done. Be. Um, they revealed that uh, bonus scene thing on the DVD where it shows like Sonic Tails and Knuckles doing stuff together. And I'm yes. like, that's exactly what a Sonic movie needs to yeah. be. Just kill all the humans. <laughs> Isn't there a Knuckles TV show coming out? I believe there or is. Or is out or something. I don't know where that would be. Paramount, I guess. I forget who owns. Uh, the, yeah, Paramount. The, it is Paramount. Yeah, maybe on Paramount Plus. I think there is an Idris Elba Knuckles TV show. Once again, we're talking about Sonic. Yes. <laughs> 2022. Uh, big shout out to Sonic Boom, the TV series as well. That yes. Was, that was all right. Oh, that'd be such a shame. Now, maybe I'll just scrap my entire list. The Sonic Boom <laughs> TV show. No one, Josh, no off one. You go. Go on. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll no leave you to this. No Josh is already off. Yeah, this, it, Josh. But it's so good. It is good, yeah. The Sonic Boom TV show is immaculate, and no one cares because it's tied to one yeah. of the worst games of all time. But it's so funny. It's so well written. It's so self-aware. It's yeah. great. You know when cats bring in like dead animals <laughs> as, a, as a tribute to their owners? Yeah. Scott once sent me a compilation of Sonic Boom best bits, and it, it was the human equivalent of yeah. that. It was Scott. Did, uh, did you click on it? An entity that I love, I did. I skimmed did it. I like watched it? the bit with Shadow, didn't I? You did? That was really good. Yeah, well... When Robotnik's like, get him a chair because he's the coolest guy in the franchise? Well, it was like a dead bird. You know what I mean? He it loves was... it. Josh can't stand meta stuff, so it's not going to be for you. Did you, did you really smile or anything, though? Um, I was watching a pretty stony face, but yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it was all right. It was fine. Look, it was yeah, enough yeah. for me, Jim. The man yeah, doesn't yeah, like yeah. Saints Row 3. I, I can't. Where are you supposed to go from here with uh, Saints Row 3 or 4? Um, anyway, I don't even know how to wrap this thing up. This has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. The best adaptations are Castlevania and whatever you guys said. Uh, Pokemon. Professor Layton. Professor and Layton. The, uh, Eternal Divi. Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Very yeah, good. Yeah. Neither he nor there. Kind of. A lot of Pokemon. A lot of Resident Evil in the bad category. But this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by James Dallas. Thanks, bro. <laughs> Anytime, brother, brother. I'm Josh Brown. <laughs> See you later, Dad. <laughs> Catch you next time. Son. Bye. See ya. Bye. Are you winning, son? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.